in a success-based culture, I think that we sometimes miss the power, the strength of God in our life because we're leaning on our own strength. Welcome to the Influencers Podcast. I'm Scott Young, and we are talking about something very important today. Don't miss your life. Finding what life really is made of. What is success? How do people really find happiness? I was talking to a couple yesterday and their kids were tearing the family apart because the kids are pursuing what they think is success, what they think is happiness, but it's tearing the family apart. And instead of being filled with happiness, it's filled with tension and sadness. So what does it really mean to be successful? And is it through the accumulation of stuff? Is it getting more? Because when you get more, somebody always has more than that. And it's a, sort of like Chinese food. You eat it and you're satisfied. But 20 minutes later, you are hungry again. Even people that we consider to be successful, wealthy, famous, have a dissatisfaction often and an emptiness in their soul. So what should we be aiming at in life? And today's guest, Aaron Treadwell, is a, a pastor an author, a speaker, an athlete, a coach. He is the uh, executive director and founder of the Cleveland City Stars, which is a professional soccer team. He's authored several books, including what we're talking about today, Don't Miss Your Life. He's authored To Who? He's authored Outrageous. He is a passionate lover of Jesus, soccer, and people. And that has taken him around the world to 150 nations, He currently lives in Cleveland, Ohio with his wife Jenny and his son Noah, but he once lived in Outer Mongolia in a yurt. So Aaron, welcome to the Influencers Podcast. And what is a yurt? (laughs) Good question. I'm still wondering (laughs) that myself. Uh, Great to be with you. And and a yurt is a nomadic tent, Scott. It's, uh, you know, think of the Apostle Paul. He was a tent maker. And my guess is he made yurts. So it's like you are a nomad. Well, that was a lot more true before I had kids. Now, how long long have you lived in Cleveland? Uh, A a while. Uh, Nine years, Scott. I was going to say too long, but that's not fair. I love love Ohio. I uh, I, I think Ohio, you know, we're in the middle of fall right now. Whenever you're listening to this, the leaves are beautiful. I love it here in the fall. <laughs> and have you been a pastor of the, the church, uh, Fellowship City Church, since you moved there? Is that what brought you to Cleveland? No, I, uh, my background is in soccer. Uh, okay. I was blessed to be able to play professional soccer for many years. And I came here to work with a, a nonprofit, a, a ministry called Ambassadors Football, whose international okay. headquarters happens to be in Cleveland, Ohio offices in 40 countries, but they chose Cleveland to make their base. Now, you're still part of that organization, right? You're the vice president of that organization still? Yep. Mm-hmm. And what is their mission? What do they do? Yeah, they want to uh, reach all peoples through the game of soccer. Uh, soccer is not the message. It's kind of the, the horse we ride in on, but uh, it's a great way to engage people right where they're at. And Ambassadors predominantly works in disadvantaged communities all around the world, predominantly with young people, uh, but we found it a great tool uh, to be able to share the gospel. Now, your your most current book, Don't Miss Your Life, what's it about? You know, in the simplest way, I I would say it's all about finding a worthy goal. 
You know, I'm, I'm interested in like what is truly a worthy goal that we would spend our lives pursuing. Mm -hmm. So people pursue success. Um, what do you define as success and, and how should people be pursuing that goal? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, living in the culture that we live in, in, in the United States, it's kind of our default success. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that we ne necessarily need to aim at it to actually be pursuing success. It's just kind of, I think, how we grow up, you know, thinking mm -hmm. that we've got to have a certain amount of money and a certain car and a certain house and that those things will will satisfy. Um, and not to say I've had the most money in the world, but, you know, I experienced some success in my life. And what I found is success can't satisfy these deep longings of our soul. Yeah, so you write that uh, success may be the most uh, coveted disappointment of all, which is an interesting quote. And is that what you're talking about? What does that mean? Yeah, I think for me, um, you know, growing up thinking that, you know, if I could only get there, you know, like when I got that job or I got that promotion or that house, then life would make sense and I would feel complete and I would feel satisfied. And I found that when I, I got some of those things, I did feel that for a short amount of time. But then inevitably that feeling would wear off and I found myself desiring something more. That's like Chinese food. You eat it <laughs> and 20 minutes later, you're hungry again. So For I just think like that, I think it's like, I think it's like a, almost like a treadmill that people spend a lot of time spinning their wheels, but there's just not a lot of uh, progress. In fact, you talk about, uh, I'm going to get the word right, hedonic treadmill. And that's the pursuit you're talking about, that it's just over and over and over again, the same thing. Is that right? It's an interesting idea I stumbled upon a few years ago. It's this psychological uh, construct. It's actually called hedonic adaptation or the hedonic yeah. treadmill. And mm -hmm. the reason that the treadmill is a good analogy is because it's that idea yeah. of you just keep, you have this desire and so yeah. you strive after it and maybe you obtain it. And so you enjoy it, but over time, your enjoyment wanes. You know, it doesn't satisfy quite as much. So what happens? You find yourself desiring something more and you go after that. And, and if you're not careful, you just stay on this treadmill of desire, strive, obtain, enjoy, desire, strive, obtain, enjoy. So if, if there's a false pursuit, false goals, false targets that don't really satisfy, what do you feel really brings satisfaction to the human soul? Yeah, I, I would start with this. You know, I, I think, um, you know, I always tell people it's not, not a problem to have money. I think when we start talking about like shifting our, our target off of success, that people think that I'm saying, oh, you shouldn't, it's bad or it's unbiblical to have success. That's not what I'm saying. It's not saying that I'm not saying that I don't want success in my life. I just don't want it to be my goal. Um, I think the problem comes not when you have money, but when money has a grip on you, 
when the mm -hmm. things of this world become your ultimate prize and you strive after those things, uh, it's dangerous because you get those things. And like we just said, you find they ultimately don't satisfy. So when you look back at your life, what were moments that you really think were great moments and how do you, what makes you feel that was a great moment in my life? That was success in my life. That was a success that was worth having. What are those moments for you? It's funny when you, you asked me that, um, it made me think of some moments that kind of were like the opposite where okay. I, I achieved success at least the thing that I thought I really wanted. And I did like it, but it was that desire for something more. And it makes me think of this time I was in Zimbabwe. Um, never wanted to go to Zimbabwe, <laughs> never wanted to go to Africa, um, but somehow found myself there standing on the side of this dirt field one day. And I was actually on a mission trip with a bunch of professional soccer players. And we were trying to share our faith through our profession. And I literally had no idea how that would be possible because these children, they sp spoke a clicking language. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, you know, and, and I didn't speak that language. So I was asking the coach, like, how are we going to share the love of Jesus with these mm -hmm. kids? And he said, watch what happens when I put this ball on the field. And it was amazing. Kind of kids swinging in on vines and, you know, jumping off mud roofed thatch huts. And, you know, but at the end of the day, we share a simple testimony of faith. All these kids come to know Christ. And in that moment, I felt the Lord speak to me through the story of Esther. Brought this story to my mind of, of how cousin Mordecai writes Esther, mm -hmm. who's now the queen, this letter. Could it be that God raised you up? for such a time as this? Like, I think the question is, do you think that you are where you are for a purpose? Mm -hmm. And for me, I think I had the wrong purpose for like most of my life. You know, I was a professional soccer player for 13 years and got to coach professional soccer. But for most of my life, I was doing that all for me, yeah. for my glory, for my name, for my fame. And in that moment, on that dirt field in Zimbabwe, God kind of spoke and was like, you think I did all that in you for your name? Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you're, you're talking about that success is living for a greater purpose, one that's outside of you. And that really brings a sense of uh, satisfaction. And... Um, You've been in Africa. You, you you climbed Kilimanjaro just before we went on air. You were talking about climbing Kilimanjaro with your with your dad, who was not a young man. And Kilimanjaro is it's a big mountain. <laughs> um, I, 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 is that a metaphor, like to, for climbing success, or, or just talk about that experience that you went through with your dad? Yeah, there's an expression that they they use in Swahili. They say uh, "pole pole." And it's the answer to how you make it to the top of Kilimanjaro. Slowly, slowly, yeah. <laughs> you know, don't try to just race up a giant mountain. Just go pole pole, slowly, slowly. And, you know, and that's what we did. And, and it was interesting. You know, I was sharing off, off the air that it really is not that difficult until the final six to eight hours when you're trying to summit to the very top. And it's kind of like literally every step I would take, I was praying, Jesus, help me just take one more step. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's interesting because in a success-based culture, I think that we sometimes miss the power, the strength of God in our life mm-hmm. because we're leaning on our own strength. Uh, but it's in a moment like that that you're kind of faced with your own um, inadequacy. <laughs> and, and you're like, God, I can't actually do this thing unless you do it in and through me. So you reach, it's, it's like you're talking about something outside of you, uh, your, your faith, your relationship with Christ, um, which is a, a, a vertical connection. And I don't know, you pastor a church, so you have a, a lot of young people in your church. And uh, one of the great problems that our rising generation is facing is the anxiety they have from the social media that creates a horizontal field saying, well, I'm not successful. I don't measure up to that image. And, and how do you help the rising generation that you have a, a message for to set that anxiety aside and to find, uh, I, I almost like I said, there's a false success and a true success. How do you help them to find um the abundant life. Jesus said there's an abundant life. How do you help them to find that? Makes me think of uh, when Jesus was tempted in the desert. You know, mm. the, the devil comes to Jesus. He's just been baptized. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew mm-hmm. chapter 5, he's led by the Spirit of God into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Mm-hmm. And three different times the devil comes and he's trying to tempt Jesus. Right. And I, and I think that first time he takes him to the top of that high mountain, says, look out here. You know, I'm going to give you all this uh, if you'll just throw yourself down. Right. And, mm-hmm. and to me, the devil is saying, go ahead. If you really are who you say you are, show me, prove it. And I think that's one of the challenges in culture today that, you know, with social media and all, just, you know, all these different things, we, we feel this added pressure of having to prove who we are. At least that's how I, I've felt a lot of my life, mm-hmm. you know, especially in, in the world of competitive sports. I read a real shocking statistic pretty recently that that 80% of our youth identify individual success as more important than serving other people. Yeah. Um, and so it's and and I don't hold that against anybody, but it's just this cultural pressure. Um, you know, to, to really live and to prove like, yeah, I am significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when the word of God teaches us that, that John 10, 10 life, that abundant life mm-hmm. overflowing, it only happens in and through Jesus. And, and when we live for the significance of Christ. Yeah. So you talk about the difference uh, between success or the fallacy of success and a life of significance. And you talk about three um, ways that we can move towards significance and leave behind the fallacy of false success. So can you just tell us those three things, walk us through that? Yeah. In this new book, I I try to get practical, (laughs) you know, like if I could convince you that success isn't probably the the, the most worthy goal, you know, what is, And, and I frame it as significance and it's not mine, it's his. Right. And so how would you live for the significance of of Christ? You know, for me, it's to become rich in the things of God. That's number one, to become rich in in relationship, in community, 
and and to live to give your life away. So, so what does it mean to be rich in the things of God? That that sounds like a preacher, which you are. So I get that. But but so if someone's listening goes, well, what does that mean to be rich in the things of God? Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a very preachy statement, so thanks for calling me out on that. No, just, I, I, just, I just want to understand. I love it. I love it. No, to me, rich in the things of God, what's it mean? You know, like, I think that a lot of the people who sit in the seats every Sunday in the church that I, I preach at, you know, that I pastor, um, they've got a lot of the things of the world. Um, and a lot of time and focus is spent on becoming rich in the things of the world. Mm. We've become pretty good at that. But what does it mean to become rich in the things of God? Like, I think it's to cultivate a lifestyle that is is aimed at Christ, that is pursuing the things of God. So becoming rich in prayer and rich in the word, you know, spending time in these things things, these disciplines, not rocket science, but these very simple age-old disciplines to grow ourselves in the things of God. Do you think the contrast is between uh, the material world and the spiritual world? The things, the values you're talking about are like love, joy, peace. These are spiritual values. There's no tangible, um, how do you measure love? How do you measure joy? How do you measure peace? But they're the things that really are worth living for. And it, is it that in, in the American success story, we've just pushed that all aside and we're risk reaching for to win the game, to, to, to get the car, to get the house? Is it, is it the contrast of those two worlds? Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with that. Um... You know, again, I don't think it's a problem to have the car or the house. I think it's a problem when those things have you, when they've become your ultimate goal. I think of um, the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 46, I think it is, says, All men are like grass and our glory like the flowers of the field. The wind blows and our glory is gone. There is only one name and one fame that just goes on for eternity. And for me, I'm trying to shift and to live for for that name and that fame. Yeah. There's people that are listening that are athletes. And and you had talked about your professional uh, soccer and professional coaching. What do we say to athletes that are just win, 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 and that's success? And how do they not get lost as an athlete listening to you going, okay, how do I value winning the game, but not lose myself in that pursuit? That's a great question, because at the end of the day, especially professional sport, it's -hmm. about winning. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and that's not wrong. I don't think you're saying that's wrong. That's all right. No problem with with winning. Um, I I think, though, as you know, right now, I'm not coaching professionally. I'm coaching a group of six year olds. <laughs> you know, well, okay, no, no, no. Which, which is harder? Which is harder? Yeah, well, one of my friends recently came to the soccer field. He's like, bro, you really fell from grace here. You were coaching professionally. Now you're coaching six year olds, but I'm coaching my son. Yeah, so, yeah, well, that's here's, here's the honest truth I want to win with six year olds just as much as I want to win with the professionals, you know? So it hasn't changed my desire to win the game. But I mm-hmm. think that 
that winning or the result is just as important as the process. You know, it's just as important as to how I win and how I go about playing the game as it is the result of that game. Sometimes winning is actually losing and sometimes losing is actually winning. And that's what I try to teach the six-year-olds. That's, that sounds very much like Jesus right there, mm. that you win your life when you lose it and you mm. lose your life when you win it. Jesus said something else. He said, um, uh, I've come that you would have abundant life. And uh, he has he begins his longest sermon that we have a record of the uh, with the Beatitudes, which are really about genuine happiness, and he calls it a blessed life. So, just as we're just coming to the conclusion, how would you encourage people to pursue that blessed life, that abundant life, through the eyes of Jesus rather than through the eyes of this world, and just encourage people to be uh, successful in God's eyes? That's great. Yeah. I love the Sermon on the Mount. That's, you know, Jesus starts his public ministry in the Mm -hmm. synagogues. Interesting place to go, by the Mm way, when he starts his ministry and he climbs the mountain. He starts, you know, with with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there shall be the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think to myself, well, do I really want to be poor in spirit? You know, but he, he eight, eight times he says, blessed, blessed, blessed are the meek, blessed are the persecuted. And he's Jesus keeps saying, you're blessed. It's that upside down kingdom concept mm-hmm. of, of blessing. And that word, you know, in, in the, the Greek, it's this, this idea of fulfilled, happy, satisfied, yeah. filled up. Um, and, and for me, I've, I've come to a place where I don't always get it right. <laughs> Um, but I see that the kingdom of God in me is, is much more fulfilling than any mm-hmm. of the stuff of the world that I, I was so hungry for, for so much of my life. And, and you've got a voice and a spirit uh, for this generation. I can just sense that listening to you. People that are listening to the influencers today, how can they f- like keep listening to you? Uh, I'm sure if they go to your website, which I think is your name, just your Aaron name. AaronTreadway.com, yep. Aaron without, without, without an A, without an A, without an A. <laughs> without an A in my last name, yeah. You'll, you'll, just to find the material, uh, uh, to, to not miss your life, these other materials. But you're a preacher, you're a teacher. How can they connect more with your content? Yeah, uh, I'm kind of on all social media platforms. Uh, Instagram, it's at Treadway Aaron, so that's kind of confusing, but uh, that's a good way to, to follow me and yeah. try to be pretty faithful to post on a regular basis, AaronTreadway.com, um, all the traditional platforms. And you're a pastor. Would you mind just saying a prayer that, that people would find their way into this abundant life that you live and teach uh, so effectively? I would love that. Yeah, let's let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we bless you today. We thank you that we exist for purpose. And, and I believe that your word says that we exist for significance, mm-hmm. not, not the significance of our own name, but the significance of Jesus Christ, your son. And so mm-hmm. I am praying for your people today that the things of this world would, mm-hmm. would not have a grip on our lives 
that we would hunger and thirst after your righteousness and the things of God. And as we pursue God and as we pursue uh, your significance and ultimately your glory, that you would, as your word says, satisfy our soul. And that's my prayer, that you would satisfy our souls. So give us a hunger and a thirst for the things of God today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Aaron, for being with us. And to all of our friends that have been part of the Influencers Podcast, we're here to see the influence of your life grow to make your world a better world and the world we live in. Keep shining in a dark world, friends. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. You can follow us on all social media platforms at the Influencers Podcast Official. You can stay up to date, hear more inspiring content, and unlock your full potential as an influencer. Remember to use your influence to create lasting change that draws the world closer to Jesus.